This is FightsCast. It's Friday, April 12th, 2019. Yet another Friday that Jason Voorhees finds himself snubbed, banished to the forests, laying in wait. How is everybody doing? You know, finally the weather is is cracking and it's starting to stay, you know, more more nice. More beautiful weather, uh more balanced weather. And uh just for an example, uh, it was t- Wednesday. Wednesday before going into work, I grabbed my laptop, my MacBook, um went out into the backyard, sat down at my backyard picnic table. Uh, and I, I sat outside for like maybe an hour, just ty- just typing. Uh, I've been working on a story, and I'm not going into detail of what what that story is right now. Not really, not really going to dive into that or reveal that stuff right now. It just it's a book, it's a story that I've been writing and been working on for a little bit. And I sat outside for, like I said, about an hour before I had to get ready to go to work. And I just enjoyed sitting outside being in the air, and I, I wrote a fair chunk out there. Just uh, just getting the air in, and, you know, the sun is out, it's nice. Uh, this is kind of weather that I look forward to. It's it's Delaware weather. It gets very wacky at times. The, su- the, the wintertime here in Delaware was a mix of bitter cold... Maybe some snow would fall, but within a day or two, it'd be gone. And the cycle repeated. But I hate the cold weather. I mean, like, when it gets cold here, it gets cold. And it stays cold. And miserable. And nobody really likes it. Then we went into this back and forth of, holy crap, this is like a nice, beautiful day. I can wear short sleeves and shorts. But then the next day, it would be 40 degrees or 30 degrees again. Which is annoying. It's annoying to go through those kind of up and downs. It, it really does suck. So we're, we're entering the mild zone now where most days are mild or nice. And I love it. I haven't turned the... Haven't turned, like, the heater back on in the house for the past two weeks now. I love when I can shut off the, uh, the heating and AC unit. Where it's just nice enough that you open up the windows and turn on the ceiling fans and it's it, that's enough. It it makes it comfortable and nice. So I've been trying to enjoy that. Enjoy the outdoor weather and all that. On top of, you know, all the maddening overtime I've been working and, and such such stuff like that. But like, you know, this morning was a was a beautiful morning. Woke up, uh had to wake up early. I hate waking up early, but I'm coming to terms with the fact that my life is about to change <laughs> in such a way that, you know, sleep is, you get you get what you can when you can. Uh, that's what we call, uh, that's parental preparation, correct? Parental preparation. I'm getting, getting myself kicked into gear for that, but we had to get up early today because we had an ultrasound to go to. This was the ultrasound that actually, you know, revealed the gender of the baby, and the gender is 
can't tell you because tomorrow we're doing a goofy little private gender reveal thing. That's where that we're probably going to film. So I'll probably throw it up on the Twitter page. So for those of you who follow me on Twitter and really want to know, uh, it'll be up on there. Uh, the gender, it's not like, you know, it's not this millennial. Th- the gender reveal parties is such a millennial thing. Why? You know, fellow millennials, why do we do this? Why do we, why, you know, why do we throw parties, you know, to um, celebrate the revealing of my child's genitalia? It, it is very weird. It's very weird, especially in this day and age of the whole social tolerance and, uh, you know, that other, that other stuff they talk about, you know, gender is fluid. It's fluidity. And just because your baby's going to be born a, a man or a woman doesn't mean that they're actually going to be a man or woman. I'm not getting into all that bullcrap. I'm really not. I'm really not. It's it's either going to be born born a boy or a girl, um, because that is how you can be born. If you want to have a debate about whether or not that's what you stay, whatever. I don't care. That's not a bridge to traverse anytime soon. So I do not care. Do not care. But I don't understand. The gender reveal parties. I don't understand, like, you know, let's have a party. Let's have a gender reveal party. Like, for what? It's either a girl or a boy. We're having a baby either way. We're happy and excited, right? We're not going to be disappointed if it's one over the other, right? Because that would be kind of, you know, that'd be kind of freaking rude, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know? Uh, it's the same thing people ask me and my wife all the time. Hey, you uh, what do, you, what do you guys hope it is? What do you guys hope it is? You hope it's a boy? You hope it's a girl? What do you hope? Everybody have, everybody everybody hopes for something. N- no. No. Not everybody hopes for everything, darling. I, you know, if you ask me what me and my wife would like, I think we would like one of each. Yeah, I think we'd like a boy and a girl. You know, possibly a third child. It, you know, but it, it really, it just, let's get through this one first. Let's pop this one out and <laughs> make sure it's alive and healthy. And then we'll talk about, we'll talk about, eh, do we want more, do we want less, you know, because I'm entering my 30s. I'm entering my 30s. My wife has a couple of years before she enters her 30s. And this is the, you know, we're growing the family. So this is the discussion time for that. But really, can we have the child first? Can we have the child first and can we just not care about whether it's a boy or whether it's a girl? Are we buying... Stereotypical blue stuff for the boy. We buy a stereotypical pink stuff for the girl. You know what are we? What are we doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> me and my wife pick a lot of neutral colors anyway. We don't. We're, we're not. As we're not those kinds of people. We're just not those kinds of people. All right. And uh, but it's funny. It's just funny that we have gender reveal parties and all that. We turn everything into big deals. Yeah, everything. You know. Like, I imagine in the next couple of years, there'll be like a pregnancy reveal party where you con all your friends over to have a party and then you go, guess what? We're having a baby. And it becomes a, we're having a baby party. And then you're having, you know, you're, <laughs> all the milestones, everything. We just turn it into parties. Why? 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 We're cool with doing a gender reveal. Not a party, per se, but a, but a reveal. Like, it's just a fun little way to figure out, is it a boy or is it a girl? 
And the way that we're doing, well, you'll see it in the video if you want to watch it. If you're really that interested, you'll watch the video. And if you're not, then I, I don't care. This is, this is about me and my wife and my family. So if you don't care, then you don't care. It's whatever. I don't care if you care. Just like I don't care if I'm having a boy or a girl. But you know what was really funny is during the ultrasound today, too. This child is stubborn. They, they, this was a pretty in-depth ultrasound where they were checking everything. I mean, they're checking, they're, they're counting toes, they're counting fingers, they're looking at the baby's brain, they're looking at the baby's heart. I saw my baby's heart. I saw my baby's heart. I saw all four valves of my baby's heart. Or all four chambers, which, which, whichever it is. I'm a little, I'm a little uh, lost on verbiage right now, but uh, I, I saw that. I saw my baby's brain when my child is born. I will tell them that I know there's not a lot in there because I've seen it. <laughs> and it took it took like nearly two hours to do it. It took two hours to, to go through this ultrasound. And the child is stubborn. They're looking for the child to flip around so they can get another angle. And the child doesn't cooperate. And there they go. Causing ripples in my wife's stomach to try to get this baby to flip, and it don't want to flip. So I know it's my child. <laughs> I know it's my child, and I know it's her child because it's in her. So it's definitely her child, but I know it's my child now too. Because that thing is stubborn. That thing laid there comfor comfortably. Which is what the doctor said. The doctor said, hey, your baby's comfortable. You know, that's... If, you know, most of the time, you know, a lot of times babies, they ain't comfortable, but there's a couple that just they get into their comf comfortable position and they pretty much tell anybody trying to invade that space to promptly fuck off. And <laughs> that is exactly what I would expect my child to do. Because every time they pull up these ultrasounds, anytime they try to get the child to move, it squirms a little bit. It flails its hands away from its face, but it's in it's in such a way that it looks like it's saying, you know, "Shush, um, this is my space. Leave me alone." So it was really cool to do that. Heard the heartbeat again today, uh, at the second appointment that we had. That's that's life when your wife is pregnant. It's lots of appointments. Um, but I try to go to every one. So I heard the baby's heartbeat again today. Uh, strong, steady heartbeat. Everything is coming up healthy right now, and I am thankful to God and and fate, whatever you want to call it. I'm very thankful that uh, that's thus far everything has been a, uh, a a good progress. And uh, I, I mean, obviously, if I've been talking about it a lot the last couple of podcast episodes, it's because this is life changing. This is a very big deal. I'm very excited to becoming a father. Very excited for the expansion. Of, of our family. And uh, it's just a fascinating process anyway. To watch from the beginning when it's, when it's literally just a dot with a flickering heartbeat. Which that's burned into my mind forever. To watch it go from that to what it is now. Which we're at like 19 weeks now. And it is, you know, it... it it's a baby. It's flailing its feet around. It's getting in the comfortable positions. It doesn't want to be bothered by doctors prodding it for ultrasounds. It's you know it's a very eye-opening experience. It's something like 
It, I mean, uh, you know, up until now, I haven't talked much about topics like uh, like abortion and things like that. But now, like on Twitter and in conversation with people, I'm becoming a little more vocal about certain things and certain aspects because uh, I'm experiencing some of this stuff firsthand and seeing it in depth and and really uh, like this is it, I can feel this. You know what got me through this week? Knowing that this ultrasound was happening on Friday. That's what got me through this week. And I was pulling a 16-hour shift, two 12-hour shifts, another 16-hour shift, and an 8-hour shift. And I did not care about how much I was working throughout the course of the week and how mind-numbing work can become. Because I knew I would get to Friday, and I knew what today would bring. And that's something. I mean, that's uh, to me, that's a little profound. It might seem stupid to other people. I don't know. But to me, that, that was a profound impact that, you know, this kid's already changing my life. And it's not even done developing yet. It's not even out of the womb. It hasn't escaped from the wretched womb. But I already am fully invested in its well-being. And that, that's profound to me. Very profound to me. And that was my week. <laughs> that was my week. And I sat and I thought, you know, what am I going to talk about this week? Because last week I kind of went on the rant about Twitter and how people react to your 280-character tweets. And, you know, trying not to I, – I try not to be vile. I try not to be hostile. Sometimes I might come off that way. I'm working on it. Something to work on for me. And, uh, you know, news-wise, not too much was happening. I mean, we're in these, like, lull periods where, uh, like, I've, one revelation I've had this week is uh, Pete Badette Edge. Pete Badette Edge. Somebody was talking about Pete Badette Edge on CNN, and it was a clip I saw on, on Twitter, and I forget who the personality was or who was being interviewed, but they said... They said, you know, I'm looking for somebody like, you know, like like a Pete Booty Judge. And it dawned on me that from now on, I'm not going to call him Butt Edge uh, or Boot Edge. I'm going to call him Booty Judge. That that was a divine revelation <laughs> from this past week that, that that it's now it's not Mayor Pete. It's Booty Judge. Booty Judge is running. For president of the United States. And we've had more Democratic candidates come out. Uh, Eric Swalwell. Swalwell yeah, I, I hate his last name because it, it's it's a tongue twister. Swal, Swalwell, I think is his name. He came out and announced. Joe Biden still hasn't officially announced, but still is polling in top place, despite all the weird, gross, touchy, closeness thingy. And Delaware's own governor, John Carney, came out to say, you know, hey, uh, uh, Joe's, uh, I'm trying to get into my Carney voice here. I can't really, like, you know, he's got a weird voice. But, you know, Joe's not a bad guy. He'd, he'd never, he'd never, you know, do anything to intentionally to make somebody uncomfortable. He's a very, you know, he's a very charismatic and, and close individual. This is, <laughs> it's a terrible John Carney. I'm not even going to try anymore. But John Carney came out to defend Joe Biden. Why wouldn't he? Joe Biden's longtime Delaware senator. John Carney is the was the groomed 
Democrat uh, next governor of Delaware and is the governor now. Uh, so I'm not surprised by that. Um, and, you know, and honestly, I talked a little bit about that Joe Biden thing, too, uh, to the degree that, I do, you know, if, if people are trying to build a case that Joe Biden's some pervert, like, I don't think that's going to stick for him uh, because he's still well-liked amongst, like, almost everyone. Uh, it hasn't hurt his polling in the slightest. It's just funny to me because he hasn't even officially announced. He hasn't officially announced that he's running for president still. But he's still in the polls and he's still cruising at the top with, with Bernie Sanders slightly behind him. And, uh, you know, uh, just uh, to, to focus on Bernie Sanders, uh, I you know, this week I came out and I admitted that uh, that I am... I am a millionaire somehow, even though I've only ever worked uh, government positions, even though I've only ever worked in the government, that uh, I do have, uh, uh, you know, at least a million dollars and I have three homes. And uh, but, uh, you know, I still, uh, you know, I still think that the the top tenth of one percent of which you could probably now account me, uh, even if I'm not in the top tenth. Of one percent, you could probably still count me in the top ten, uh, in the top percentages of uh, people who are uh, extremely wealthy in the nation. Now, uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still for the little guy, and people like me. I think his base is actually a, a, a little more fired up than I wanted to give him credit for. Uh, I thought he lost a lot of his base since a couple of years ago for the 2016 elections when he was fired up and then folded like a lawn chair on the DNC floor and all that crap. Uh, I thought he lost a little bit of his base. I think his, I think there's a diehard Bernie base that is very fired up because they felt cheated out of the 2016 election, which, I mean, not to an extreme degree... They weren't, but they were. I mean, the DNC process is very bizarre uh, for their elections. Uh, you know, as is as is a little bit of the Republican. You know, the whole thing, the whole thing is a little sketchy. Just a little sketchy. Uh, and and over this past week too, I listened to a great episode from Andrew Heaton. Uh, if I if I have one podcast episode to recommend to you this week. Andrew Heaton had one this past week that was on ranked choice voting. And you can look at him you can look him up on uh something's off with Andrew Heaton. It's on any anywhere you can go get your podcasts. Whatever you're listening to on right now, you can probably find something's off with Andrew Heaton. He had a great episode about ranked choice voting. And it's actually something I'm going to talk about because the electoral college episode that I'm building up to isn't just about the Electoral College anymore. It's more about voting in general and how to handle this kind of stuff uh, in in terms of that. But the, a great podcast episode on Ranked Choice Voting. Uh, you know, more Electoral College banishment talk is going on. And uh, as a libertarian, I mean, I'm not going to dive too heavy into the subject. Uh, but I, I've slowly been walking away from the Electoral College defense... Uh, which I used to be staunchly in, in favor of keeping the Electoral College intact. 
Now, more so, uh, I'm not feeling that way, and that episode will reveal reasons why. And now I'm trying to think of other news that happened over the past week, but but the big bomb drop was yesterday when Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks and the public enemy number one, who has a very, I mean, a very colorful history of leaks of information. Everybody has an opinion on Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, but Julian Assange was in asylum uh, in Ecuador, I think, in the Ecuadorian embassy, or something along those lines, and they actually he actually was arrested and dragged out of the uh, of the place where he had sought refuge, and uh, it was all over the news. It was a big deal. Um, he's already had some preliminary hearing of some kind in court, uh, and now there's there's talks of you know should he be extradited to the United States to you know face trial for you know there's there's many aspects. To the story, there's a lot to actually go over with it, and unfortunately, with how my schedule's been and all that, I haven't even been able been able to sort all this crap out on Julian Assange. But let you know, we can talk about certain aspects of it, like whistle whistleblowers, people who share government secrets, people who try to make public, who try to take information to the public about what's going on behind closed doors, and I understand about the arguments about classified information, hacking computer systems, you know, legalities and such. But there is some principled debate to have in between. We have Julian Assange arrested. And then you'll have to remember, you know, tied into, like, WikiLeaks and all that is a name like Chelsea Manning. Chelsea Manning, of course, uh, had President Obama um, commute his, her, uh, her 35-year sentence, um, which is the longest by far for leaking U.S. government secrets to anyone for any reason. So Manning in 2010 leaked information to uh, WikiLeaks. And uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of what came to light there was the 1917 Espionage Act, uh, which was designed to punish people who leaked government secrets to a foreign government, but not to the media. And, uh, you know, some people praised Obama for that. Some some people criticized harshly Obama for that. And th- the fact of the matter is, overall, uh, Obama had a pretty terrible legacy on him uh, in terms of whistleblowers and leakers. Uh, more people... I'm reading this from a, a, a Time Magazine article... Uh, by Pete Maravich. No, my bad. From uh, Dinah Pokempner, who is the general counsel at the Human Rights Watch. Uh, Under Obama's administration, the article states, more people were investigated and prosecuted for leaks than under all other U.S. presidents combined. Journalists were harried to rat out their sources until then-Attorney General Eric Holder finally conceded that reporters shouldn't be punished for just doing their job. 
The administration never attempted to fix the Espionage Act. A former assistant inspector general in the Pentagon disclosed that, far from being protected when using official channels, national security agency whistleblowers were subject to retaliation and punishment, making Eric Snowden's decision to go straight to the media a wise one. And that ties up into Eric Snowden. Um, the, the thing I love about this article, it goes on to state, quote, Why doesn't Obama part it, pardon er, Edward Snowden? Did I say Eric Snowden? It's Edward Snowden. My bad. Uh, quote, officials have been told, have told the media that Manning at least expressed remorse and went through the criminal justice system. Snowden believes he did the right thing, and an awful lot of people in this country and around the world agree that it was vital to expose the mass surveillance and invasion of privacy the NSA was committing behind the backs of most of Congress and the American public. Even Obama, in announcing a wide swath of reviews and reforms in response to the global debate Snowden ignited, said, One thing I'm certain of, this debate will make us stronger. Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, information exposure is really the debate and the topic here. Now, we talk about Julian Assange. A lot of people are coming out and saying Julian Assange put American troops' lives at stake through some of the WikiLeak information. especially in terms of Iraq and Afghanistan. One of my prime arguments about putting American troops in harm's way or putting their lives at stake starts with the fact of where we're sending them and why we're sending them there. Now, Afghanistan might be a more debatable front for going after the Taliban regime could possibly be a larger argument to be had there. But a place like Iraq, which while chemical weapons and weapons that violated human rights, while weapons were found there, it was sold on weapons of mass destruction along the terms and lines of like nuclear weapons and all that. We all know the mess of the Iraq war. Everybody knows it by now. I know people who served in Iraq. All right? I respect people who serve in the military. But we all know that the Iraq war was costly in lives, in resources, in money, in global affairs. We all know. The first blame of putting American lives in danger, the first finger of blame can be pointed on the U.S. government itself. First and foremost. Myself as a citizen, I don't care that, that, that any of our service members voluntarily joined the armed forces to serve the country. I love that. I love that you have a dedication, a higher calling to your nation 
that you want to serve your nation in that way. I have the utmost respect for it. I have the utmost respect for it in as much that I don't want any of those people, any of those people, sent somewhere on a war that has nothing to do with the preservation of the lives, liberty, and freedom of our nation. That means if you talk about regime change and overthrowing a country's government because of what that country's government is doing for the people, for the people there, regime change warfare. I'm against that. I'm against America being the world problem solver in that aspect. I really am. Regime change wars means you're willing to spill American blood for a cause that is not directly related to the preservation of American life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Which, by the way, none of the three things that I just listed there are from the United States Constitution. They're from the Declaration of Independence. They're from the Declaration of Independence... And they were what our founders believed all people were born with. Because those rights are unalienable. So I believe that everybody on God's green earth has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I don't believe that it is America as a nation's job to go into other countries to overthrow their governments for their own good. That doesn't mean a country can't solicit us, solicit us or a people can't solicit us, or, or ask for our help. And we can debate those aspects and all those things. But I don't believe in just striking up U.S. armed forces to go carry out a war on foreign land, spilling American blood... In the name of the greater good. I just, I don't believe in that. If you do, okay, we have a disagreement there. It's a very big deal. Especially to take in consideration that there is contingencies to that. There are innocent lives at stake when you do do that. If you don't think innocent lives have come to be lost throughout the last 15 years, almost 20 years of warfare led by our very own government, paid for by our very own tax dollars, then you are sadly mistaken. So first and foremost, any blame for the lives of U.S. military personnel lies at the feet of the government. Lies at the feet of Congress. 
who has the authority to declare war. The president does not, even though the president can call and conduct military actions. By simply not declaring a war. That's where we stand with that. That's where we stand with that. Now let's uh, let's check in with somebody on the Democratic side who doesn't poll very well in the presidential primary numbers right now. But is a service member, is an active service member... Let's get her thoughts on this Julian Assange business. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange arrested in London on charges of conspiracy to hack U.S. government computers, which contain classified information. Joining me now to talk about this and more, Democratic presidential candidate, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii. A Congresswoman, aloha. Thanks for joining us. Aloha, Jake. Good to see you. So you serve two tours of duty in the Middle East. You're currently a major in the Army National Guard. Assange, along with Chelsea Manning, spread classified information that prosecutors at Manning's trial claimed could have brought harm to U.S. service members in Iraq and Afghanistan. Do you agree with that? And what do you think about Assange's extradition and prosecution in the U.S.? Look, over time, there hasn't been any proof that that has been brought uh, to bore. And what we have seen is that so much of the information that's been released has informed the American people about actions that were taking place that they should be aware of. It provided transparency around issues both related to civil liberties as well as actions that our military was taking in the Middle East that they should not have been. So really, I think what's happening here is some form of retaliation coming from the government saying, hey, this is what happens when you release information that we don't want you to release. And I think that's why this is uh, such a dangerous and slippery slope, not only for journalists, uh, not only for those in the media, but also for every American that our government can and has the power to kind of lay down the hammer to say, be careful, be quiet and fall in line. Otherwise, we have the means to be able to come after you. So you don't think that he should have been extradited and, and you don't support his prosecution in the U.S.? Uh, I think the, the, the charges about hacking, look, those, those can and should be worked out uh, in the court of law. My point is that I think there's a bigger issue at play here. There's a reason why the Obama administration chose not to extradite uh, and prosecute Assange, uh, because they understood the danger. They understood the danger of the government coming in and uh, controlling, essentially, what information is and is not being released. We can go back to the release of the Pentagon Papers uh, as an example. Uh, we can look to how the American people have benefited from some of this information being released. Uh, so I think we've got to look at it within this larger context here uh, and make sure that we understand what's at stake and actually the danger of what happens when we have people in government, whether it's this administration or a future administration, mm -hmm. basically saying, hey, look, we can call WikiLeaks a, a, a foreign intelligence agency. We can designate an individual as a foreign asset or this or that. Uh, simply because they don't like the information that's being published or they don't like the things that you're saying. Now that is a very good approach to have on this because if you're a limited government libertarian, if you're a conservative, and yeah, even if you're a Democrat um, or liberal, 
people agree that the government needs to be transparent about things. We all know that there's certain things that maybe can't come out right at right at this second. We know that there's sensitive information. We know that there's some things that require classification. But in the overall scheme, we all know that our government should... If you're skeptical of the government power to begin with, then why wouldn't you, in turn, be skeptical Be skeptical about that government being so powerful that they could prosecute uh, without discrimination almost? People who reveal information that they don't want revealed, and why doesn't the government want it revealed? You can't be one of those people that think that everything that the government doesn't want to ve- doesn't want to reveal has a noble intention behind it. You really can't. If you're skeptical of the government power, more than likely you probably in some way shape or form supported the actions of a Chelsea Manning or an Edward Snowden or a Julian Assange. And Julian Assange and the WikiLeaks thing it has a very storied history going throughout the years. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard has a point. You're right. The Obama administration didn't choose to extradite and prosecute Julian Assange. Why? Why not? Throughout the years, it has been a critic of the whole. Not of a particular side. Not of the left side or the right side, but of the government as a whole. Therein lies what people have to think about as they proceed to uncover some of the information. Because some people are commenting on this right now, knowing jack all about Julian Assange or Edward Snowden or even Chelsea Manning. And the information that they've released. The bits that they played, the parts that they played. All right, Chelsea Manning got the soft treatment from Obama more or less for admittance and showing remorse. That's why. Not because not because the government came to terms and was like, "Ah, you know what? It wasn't that big a deal." They were like, "Are you were you wrong? Are you sorry you're wrong? Say it out loud. Say it to the public." All right, we'll be easy on you. That's something to think about. That is something to think about. That is a debate to be had right now about government intelligence, classification of information, and transparency. If you're for a limited government, if you're for a more open government, even even if you're not for a limited government, if you're for more government power, chances are you're for more government power, but you want more transparency in that government as well. So you've still probably backed a Manning or a Snowden or an Assange. And a lot of the critics, a lot of the critiques, a lot of the critiques, mind you, a lot of the flack that's against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks right now is over the 2016 election because of the DNC email hacking and dropping. That's why. 
that's why that's such a focal point because this time it was hitting against the left side of the spectrum. Granted, I think I gave a plethora of reasons why anybody could be. And and this isn't to say this isn't to say by the way anything uh, anything about the rest of Julian Assange's character, some of the other charges that have been brought up against him, some of the other speculation of things that he's had his hands in has nothing to do with that. I could overall I could overall think Julian Assange is a garbage human being. I could think that. But I could at the same time say that the information that he found and the information that he released was important. I could I could argue either aspect there. Same thing with Manning, same thing with Snowden. And Snowden really Snowden revealed a lot of backdoor activity from an agency that was abusing its power. But where's Snowden right now? The only place Snowden can even have relative protection is in Moscow, Russia. And because Snowden is in Russia, there is a ton of Americans that will already say... And speaking of treason, I just want to remind you what Ben Franklin said about treason. Well, at least in the 1776 musical, what he said, Treason is a charge invented by winners as an excuse for hanging the losers. Guys, that's going to do it for me for this week. Thank you for listening in to the program. Thank you for the guys who have been reviewing on iTunes, too. I just saw my iTunes uh, reviews jump up a bit, so... Thank you for for putting it out there. If you like the show, give it a give it a rating. All right, doesn't have to be five stars. It could be four stars. All right, three stars is cool. Two stars, uh, one star. Oh God, no! Please don't. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS and pay attention tomorrow because there could possibly be a gender reveal video. Yay! Facebook.com slash the Fritz the Fritz the Fritz the Fritz a cast. Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. And if you need to get in direct contact with me, it's Fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. I love you and good night.